0: Um, So I have um, a few things on my heart to share with you this evening. I I was thinking as I was preparing and I've prepared a little closer to the deadline than I normally like to – that it's a little bit of a fruit salad preach tonight. I don't know whether you know that terminology, but I just—I've got a number of things that I really want to share with you, but it doesn't entirely form a three-point sermon. So is that all right? <laughs> um, sometimes it's good to do things a bit differently. So I actually just really wanted to start by reflecting about our year together. I have just been really so blessed by what God has been doing in our midst as vision women this year and in our first year particularly of having an evening meeting. Um, I I was thinking about well what do I what do I really enjoy about it What are the things that I've felt really celebratory about with the Lord And one of those is just seeing you all get together each month And um, I actually really love that there's chatter over supper And sometimes that spills over into you know it being a bit later than the nominated nine thirty And just actually seeing women in community together I just something there's something really special about that I've also really valued that we have a broader range of ages that's something that for me has been something I think as a church we reflect that and that's something that Justin and I have always loved about vision is that it's healthy family healthy family is all generations together and so I've really loved that Vision Women Evenings has reflected that as well Um, and I guess I've also really enjoyed Um, And been really celebrating with God that it's given an opportunity to women who couldn't get to our daytime meeting for whatever reason, an opportunity to gather together. And so it's been very intentional, even on months where it would be easy to say, oh, there's lots of other things on, and should we shift it from the second Tuesday to just really try and establish a rhythm and a consistency to that. Understanding that as women, there are things and stuff comes up, and there are months that we can't. Or um, you know you can 't come, but that by doing that it establishes a rhythm that that, as women, regardless of what season of life you 're in you 've actually got an opportunity to engage um, in community together so i 've really celebrated that with the Lord, as i 've reflected on this year. I actually think that often significant things are hidden amongst the ordinary, and I really feel that women gathering together to worship Jesus, to encourage each other, um, and to really trust God together is a significant thing. And whilst there haven't been major bells and whistles and, um, although God, if you really want to come in powerful ways, we're totally up for that. Um, but I've really felt that this has been a significant year, that God has been laying a really significant foundation for us as women in our congregation. Um, and I feel that next year, leading into next year, he's going to build more upon that for us. Um, you may, if you were here at the beginning of the year, I unpacked with you from Proverbs 31 um, the phrase for a virtuous or a most excellent woman, which is a shet um, which um, is actually quite a – it's a bit of a really uh, – war cry, really, um, a valiant, it, it's the same word used for Gideon, you you ma- mighty man of valour. Um, and so whilst we haven't shouted that out each month, I have felt there's just been this undercurrent of you go girl um, has been there throughout our year together. And I've really appreciated that. And so we've looked at lots of different aspects of being a valiant woman. We've looked at um, being positioned for peace. We've talked about being clothed in love. We've talked about living with our ears awake and ready for what God is wanting to say to us um, in the midst of the ordinariness of life. We've talked about what it looks like to cultivate healthy friendships. We've had the opportunity to serve together through the fashion fix, which I think was a really great thing to do as a community of women. We've eaten together quite a lot because that's important. And then throughout, the, um, throughout all of our gatherings, there has been this th- clear theme of living valued and flourishing. So that's been our phrase for the year and I thought at the beginning of the year that that was a theme for 2017 and um I I was going to say I love it when God reveals things to us a bit at a time I actually don't I really would like the whole picture but I do appreciate it in retrospect um and so what I as I've been thinking and about what I wanted to reflect on with you this evening um I've really come to realise that living valued and flourishing is not just our theme for 2017. It's actually the lifestyle that Jesus wants to call us to and cultivate us, in us as vision women. Um, and that really that actually is part of what he's been doing in terms of laying the foundations upon which to build and grow, both for us as individual women and for us together. So you'll probably continue to see valued and flourishing up there. I kind of had originally been imagining, oh, well, next year, what's the next phrase, God? But actually, I have really felt him say that that isn't just a theme for 2017. That that is what's on my heart for the women of vision. So. Who knows that learning to live valued and flourishing is a process and a journey and really there isn't an end point to that. And so tonight what I wanted to do again was really just reflect on living valued and flourishing, not just in a way of review but actually also really wanting to use that to cast a bit of vision for 2018 and what I feel that the Lord has been talking to me about um, for us I was rereading some of my notes from February in preparation, thinking about you know what, what were the key things that I'd felt the Lord speak to me at the beginning of the year. And I had written in my notes this um, sentence. It said, You are valiant women, not because you're perfect or because of what you do, but because of who the Father says you are in Christ and who he has purposed you to be. So you're a valiant woman, not because you're perfect or because of what you do, but because of who the Father says you are in Christ and who he has purposed you to be. And this is truth, but sometimes it's harder to live out of that truth than others. And so this year, I've actually been challenged um, in a number of ways about... The conflict within me regarding my value. I've been really frustrated at certain points through this year, I'm just being honest with you, um, about how quickly my sense of value seems to tie itself back to my performance. And I've actually at points felt quite discouraged by that because I feel like I should really have that all sorted out. Like I know that my value isn't tied to being perfect or to what I do. But it seems like this year God has purposed for me anyway to poke about a bit and go, see this bit here? That That's still tied to your performance. And so I shared a little bit from the front when we came back from America. I feel a bit more comfortable in this context probably than I do in a a full congregation context but what I found was that as God stripped back all the distractions that go with being a wife and a mother at home and a pastor at the church here once he once all of that was stripped away and I was away from all of that what I found is that God is an opportunist And that he took that opportunity to really poke around in my heart. And I found myself on that trip really wrestling with feelings of insecurity and insignificance. Like it was actually quite a a strong theme for me over part of the trip. And part of that was that I fell into the trap of some comparisons and things like that in my life. But I actually think that God deliberately used the vulnerability of that trip to say, there's just still some things that I really want to work on here. And I, I wouldn't have said that I felt like I had no value because I actually inherently know that that's a lie. But my heart response what I found was happening that was my heart response was to analyse myself based on my performance and um, and the things that I have done and the things that I think I can do or the things that I think that I can't do. Like I was uh, wrestling around a lot with that while I was away um, and, and realising that I was falling into that trap but not being quite sure what to, to do about it. Um, so what I felt the Lord do for me was that to explore this a bit more, you know, like where, where does this come from, what's going on inside of me, I began to ask myself, am I wrestling with and experiencing pain because of insecurity and lies and, and this problem of believing with, that I'm valuable? Is that the source of it? Is the source of it that I'm experiencing this pain because I've got insecurities and I'm believing lies? And therefore, that's impacting on my sense of value. Or actually, am I wrestling with my effectiveness? And that's really the thing that I want to talk about tonight is the difference between value and effectiveness. So effectiveness is defined as the degree to which something is successful in producing a desired result. So the degree to which something is successful in producing a desired result, I mean, that's the Webster's Dictionary definition. And so when you look up the synonyms of um, effectiveness, it includes fruitfulness, potency, power, usefulness. So it's all of those kind of phrases. So in other words my question was, am I wrestling with living up to my full potential and growing and thriving and flourishing? I actually think that that idea of flourishing is is linked to that sense of effectiveness. And so what I feel that God has been highlighting to me is the importance of differentiating between these two things, value and effectiveness, because the source of our insecurities or our pain, or the things that we're thinking through, depending on the source of it, whether it's us questioning our value, or whether it's actually around looking at our effectiveness, and am I effective, am I being effective, am I growing, am I flourishing? Actually the solution for those two things is quite different. And so it's really important to be able to differentiate that in our lives. So I have this um, um, analogy that I guess I want to show you, and I forgot my purse, so I'm just going to get that as well because it has a prop in it. Um, but value um, is determined by the price that someone pays for something, okay? so um, And so I have this new silver ring that I really like, and you may admire. Um, But you would value it differently depending on if I told you that I paid $5 in a sale at Colette for it or that I paid $5,000 because actually it's handcrafted white gold. That's a lie. It was $5 in Colette. But but you, would, you value something differently based on the price that's paid for it, right? I mean, I don't know if you've ever been. I've been into shops before, like designer type shops. I wouldn't ever shop there. But say I'm doing some window shopping in a nice area and I look at something and I think, oh my goodness, that is a really weird pair of shoes. And then I go and have a look at it and I discover that in fact it's a $5,000 pair of really weird shoes. I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I need to change my perspective a little bit because in fact these are rather valuable shoes. Um, I was telling um, Andrew today that when I was uh, 12, I was still living in England and um, I wanted to learn the clarinet and... My mum remembered that my uncle had won a clarinet in a card game. So it it arrived in a Sainsbury's plastic bag and um, we put it together and I took it to school and it's Sainsbury's plastic bag um, to the clarinet teacher. And the clarinet teacher nearly fell off his chair because it was actually an 18th century clarinet. And it was like the real deal. And he's like... Uh, oh, and so I was very quickly, that was confiscated from me and went to Sotheby's for auction and instead my mum hired a normal clarinet from school. But again, the value suddenly changed from this clarinet that my uncle had won in a card game and was in a plastic bag to something of great value because in fact it was old and um, and still in playable condition. So not the reeds, mind you. I think we had actually got new reeds for it. But So our life was paid for at the highest price, the life of our Saviour Jesus. And so this is what determines our value, the price that was paid for us. Um, you may feel like there are still things in your life That you're working on, brokenness, you may feel like you're still a bit scuffed up and wrinkled. Now, prop number two. Um, But just like this $10 note, which it doesn't really matter how scuffed up or wrinkled it is, it's still worth $10. Like, I can still go in and spend it, whether it's one of the brand spanking new ones, which my, I said to one of the girls, can I, has anybody got a new $10 note? I want to do the comparison. They weren't prepared to hand over their brand new $10 notes. I'm like, that's all right. I'll work out another way to do it. Um, so even though we may feel like that, our value is still the same. Our value doesn't change. Whether we do amazing exploits for God or we do nothing, our value stays the same. We can't work to improve our value. We can't apply ourselves to growing in value. I'm his daughter. You are his daughters. You are inherently valuable. So if this is our wrestle, that we're struggling with the pain of questioning our value then only the experience of his truth and the revelation of his love will deal with that lie. There is only one way to deal with struggles that we might have with our value and that's to go to the source of where our value comes from and to allow him to continue to whisper that into our lives. And you may have seasons in your life where, again, you are needing him to be saying those things to you. He loves for us to experience his love. He doesn't. He's not far off. So if you're struggling with that sense of am I valuable, he wants to deal with that. I mean, in John 8... Um, it says this: um, Jesus was talking to the Jews who he'd been speaking to, and they believed in him. And he said, "If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So there are points at which we need that revelation of his truth. We can't work, work ourselves into knowing our value like it's a revelatory thing to know our value in Christ and isn't necessarily automatic simply because we're saved sometimes it's a different process to that so our value is not found separate of him so in him we must find the truth of our value like it has to be found in him so although our value does not change Our effectiveness can change. Our effectiveness in different seasons of our life can ebb and flow. And we do have an ability to impact whether we live effectively as followers of Christ and in his purposes by the habits and the choices that we keep and make. So I want you to remember, though, as we get into this idea of effectiveness. Our value isn't determined by our effectiveness. But we are actually called to be a fruitful and flourishing people. And that is linked to our effectiveness. So we can improve our effectiveness. We can learn and grow and develop habits to be more effective. There are lots of books that say seven habits of a, I don't know, an effective this and an effective that and an effective leader and um, So there are things that we can participate in to increase our effectiveness. We don't simply get saved and then automatically become effective disciples. We actually grow and mature over time. And it does take intention of cultivating habits for that. So the whole process of discipleship, Um, And being part of a like-minded community, developing our gifts and talents as people, studying God's word, carving out time in our life to spend time with God in the secret place, learning to listen to his leading in our life, serving being obedient to what he asks us to do, strengthening ourselves in the Lord, pursuing inner healing, all of these things and many more are habits that we can intentionally cultivate to grow in effectiveness and maturity in Christ, in becoming more like him and reflecting him well. We have a part to play in how effective we are. Paul says in Colossians 1.28, um, he says this him, meaning Jesus, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. I like this phrase. He says, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I like that. He, struggling with all his energy. Um, that he powerfully works in me. But Paul poured out his life for Christ and for the purpose of presenting everyone that God gathered around him for him to disciple as mature in Christ. Paul goes on to say, "Mm, yes, in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Therefore, if you have received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and follow and, and overflowing with gratitude. So again, this idea that we receive Christ, but then we actually need to walk that out. And that there's this whole being built up in Him and being established in our faith that then causes us to be effective and to flourish. And then I just wanted to read one other scripture to you, which is Colossians 1 9 to 10. It says, For this reason, Also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased praying for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, it's reflecting this sense of effectiveness in our walk with him and that that we are called to bear fruit again not separate of him and i i i hesitate with this because when you start talking about effectiveness and some of these things it can slip us into that sense of striving i'm not talking about this this is all still rooted and grounded in him but it's this idea that we do have a part to play in growing in our effectiveness so i was reflecting on again I guess just to bring it back to a, a, a personal level for me. Last year, I felt that God was really highlighting my physical needs and how that was impacting on my effectiveness to pull it into this context. I shared a little bit earlier in the year about that, that journey for me. But I found um, that he's really good at pinpointing one thing at a time and the one thing really in the last 12 months was this idea that my lack of physical fitness and strength was impacting my effectiveness and so getting fitter and stronger and also establishing things like healthy sleep patterns those things those they're practical things but those things can improve our effectiveness or impact on our effectiveness depending on which way you want to look at it. When I was getting ready for this, I was thinking, okay, God, well, that's the physical fitness, but what's the current thing? And um, I hadn't really thought about it like this before, but really the current thing that he is looking at or causing me to look at in my life is the impact um, of my mind on my effectiveness, that what what I've found, and this is a really good time of the year to be putting this to the test, that when life gets really busy and full for me, when I start to feel quite overwhelmed, the way that that presents for me is that I actually get quite emotional and I feel quite flat when things are just very overwhelming. And I've actually felt the Lord really talking to me quite directly about this, partly through my husband who will say, why is it? Why is it that when life gets that busy and overwhelming, what is it about busy and fullness of life that actually causes this kind of spiral for you? And actually one of the things that I've realised is that I'm, I, my effectiveness is impacted by my perfectionism. And what happens when it, life is really busy and full and I don't have any margins is I'm still expecting kind of to be perfect at everything. And there are just too many balls in the air to be perfect. And so I've really found that he's been talking to me a lot about when good is enough good is enough, Catherine. This is enough. Like you don't have to do more than this. I mean, he's getting really practical with me because this is impacting my effectiveness. Because then obviously when, you know, life is busy. Like, I mean, I don't think there's anybody here who wouldn't say your life is full and busy. So if I end up in a spiral every time that life gets busy and full, that's really difficult. So I felt him also talking to me um, about. I, I, I was saying this to Andrew the other day, and I think he thought that I was just like, "Yeah, well, I'm just showing up," but that's not what I mean. I felt like God has just kept saying to me, "What I'm asking you to do is to show up." That's what. And and on days where I show up, but I wasn't perfect, he's like, "But Catherine, you showed up." You showed up. That's what I'm asking you to do. You showed up. And so I'm just little by little. He's really challenging. Why is it that I become ineffective in a busy season when I actually need to be on on point? Like I need to be effective in that p- moment. And instead I'm kind of unraveling. I got to put this to the test last week. Um, I had a particularly full week. Um, it was my youngest's birthday and that was at one end of the week and then her birthday party was at the other end of the week my mum had a total hip replacement so she was in hospital and this is her well this was a revision but this is her third total hip replacement and um I just I knew that I wanted to be present for her um my oldest daughter is finishing school and so There are a whole lot of emotions that go with that for her and me. Um, And so I was juggling those things. It was the week that I had a sermon to write. And I could just feel that rather familiar slide of the, the perfectionist in me wanting to do everything and having really unrealistic expectations about what that would look like. And so that my prayer ended up being all week... God, help me to stay focused on what's important, not necessarily what feels urgent. And really the thing for me is that I am quite a task-focused person and so I find that when I'm busy, relational stuff, if I'm not careful, will slide. And so with the need to be able to... um, meet the needs of my daughter whose birthday it was and not wanting to be like her birthday party was the day before I was preaching and I get, quite distracted when I'm getting ready for a sermon and I was like God I, d- I don't want to be not present like I want to be available I want to be thinking about her I want this to be the focus she only gets a birthday party every two years I, I don't want to be checked out I didn't want to miss the boat in being caring for my mum and n- needing to be able to get to the hospital each afternoon to just visit her and to encourage her and I just found that as I just kept saying, God, I want to focus on what's important, not what's urgent. Help me to know what balls I can drop. Help me to know when good is enough. And I just, I found like I got to the end of the, w- that weekend and I was tired, but I just was so overwhelmed by God's goodness to actually teach me right in the midst of this crazy week how his enabling grace can be enough. And I feel like um, I've carried that into this week that has just gone. I'm finding that um, my joy in the midst, like not the busyness hasn't dropped. I was saying to Ali tonight, I feel like I'm running like with military precision at the moment who needs to beware for various things in my home life, let alone everything else. And yet there's a there's an undercurrent of peace that I've actually not really experienced before in the middle of the busy. And I feel that that's because, in fact, for me, this question that I asked at the beginning or said that I was tossing up between, is it that I'm worried about my value or is it my effectiveness, that for me God's been actually putting his finger on things that impact my effectiveness And so my question for you this evening is what impacts your effectiveness? Uh, I mean, God is really, and that's, I'm, this is not permission to beat yourself up about how you're ineffective. Like that is not the thing, but God is after growing and maturing us. And I want to to consistently grow and mature, to be effective and flourishing in my calling and my assignment as a woman of God. And I desire the same for you. And so this is not a question about going through where you're failing and what you're not doing. But it is worth asking the same questions that I've been asking myself. Number one, is there an issue around value? That has a different... um, Oh, solution's not the right word, but that has a different solution to it. That That is the revelation of God to again restore a sense to you of your value to him. But if it's actually effectiveness, if there are areas of your life, that you're like, I actually, I just know that I'm not really fulfilling f- fully my potential, that there's areas that I, we've all got areas that we can grow and mature in. Um, it's just really worth asking yourself, what what Lord is impacting my effectiveness at the moment? Um, and he's really faithful to just m- make it simple for us. Like he doesn't make it complicated. Like he's very practical with us about then... Um, ways to begin to change that and sometimes that is things like inner healing or dealing with some of the stuff that's come up sometimes it's skill-based stuff you know if you're somebody where time management is an issue or um, even finding people that are effective in an area of their life that you really um, admire and actually getting some mentoring so that you build your effectiveness in that area like we it, 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 without striving, we are able to participate in how we grow and mature as women in the Lord. So as we finish this year, I believe that this is actually God's invitation to us for next year. And that is that as we are continuing to be firmly rooted and grounded in his love, that his invitation for us is to grow together together. Um, and mature together as a group of women who know and experience our unique value to him and to one another because it's really important to feel valued by the people around you as well um, and that we would acknowledge our own value. But that as women we would continue on this journey of flourishing and growing in effectiveness and our maturity In Christ, where we're planted, that we would be women who are characterized by by being courageous and passionate and active in the things that God is asking us to do, whilst at the same time being comfortable in who He's made us to be. You know, getting to actually know what our strengths are. One of the things that I found last year was this permission just to understand I'm somebody who needs a lot of sleep. I'm going to stop making excuses about that. I am just simply going to say for me to be effective and to function well, I am somebody who needs a lot of sleep. I might have a husband who can manage on five hours sleep a night. That's not me. And so learning to be comfortable with who God's made us to be, and to actually know what our, well, if you want to use the word strengths and weaknesses, that's probably not quite what I mean. But that idea of working within the boundaries, I guess, that God sets for us. One of my favorite scriptures says that his boundaries fall for us in pleasant places. Don't ask me where it is. Somewhere in the Old Testament. Um, but his boundary lines fall for us in pleasant places. And they're in that he, he does set boundary lines around us because those things increase our effectiveness. If we're trying to work outside of those boundaries, if we're trying to do things um, that actually are not really a part of who he's made us to be, we won't be effective. Um, so I just wanted, as we finish this evening... Um, to stand and pray over you with Ephesians 3. Can we um, do that by getting a little bit closer together and holding hands? Is that all right? Sure. Can you be friendly with each other? Good. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.